0: Welcome and thank you for joining us for the NABIP Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in NABIP's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your healthcare happy hour.
1: Today, June 16th, is Marcy M. Buckner's last day here at the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. For several years, Marcy has been one of the premier voices on the Healthcare Happy Hour podcast, of course, but that has been just a tiny sliver of her duties here. After over 11 years here, Marcy has left a substantial legacy at NABIP, and I speak for everyone from staff and membership when I say it is truly sad to see her go. So, without further ado, on this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour, I'm joined by John Green and, of course, Marcy herself. So, Marcy, welcome back to the pod one last time. There is plenty to discuss and reflect on from all the work that you and Navip's government affairs team has accomplished to, I'm sure, some fun personal anecdotes that probably are springing to your mind this week.
2: Thank you, Dan, for that kind opening. I'm so happy to be able to join you guys this week and talk about some of the things that we have all gotten done during my time here at NABIP. There has just been so much over the past 11 years. And of course, John has been here every step of the way with me and really want to take some time and celebrate what NABIP has done and also talk about some exciting things that we think we'll be able to do within this congressional session.
1: So let's talk about some of the work that you have spearheaded over the years with the Government Affairs Department and review some of our legislative successes. So in the past 11 years, it's quite a few successes to talk about. So what do you want to start with?
2: Well, I'll start with one of the things that was one of my very first projects here at NABIP. And I think people may have even forgotten that we were working on this. But I, I started in 2012. So was here with the rollout of the ACA and the exchanges, a super fun time. And we were starting to get concerned about navigators and the lack of oversight on the state level. So I drafted a model bill for uh, regulation on navigators within the states. And so there are several different layers of regulation when it comes to what a department of insurance can do. There's licensure, there's registration, there's certification, which are all different layers. And so we were able to see about half of the states put something in place so that they would have just some type of control over the navigators in the market. But that was one of the very first things that I did when I was with NABIP and was very successful in some of the states. It's also been an exciting time, kind of still staying on on the state-by-state pieces before we get into federal things. But working with um, Colorado to defeat their proposition, their ballot initiative for a single-payer system, continuing to work against that in California, obviously. They're an ongoing challenge when it comes to single-payer systems. But uh, those are some of the bigger pieces. And now, of course, we're coming up on all of these challenges with pharmacy benefit managers and PBMs and seeing that just spread like wildfire state to state. So those have been just enormous issues that we've seen over the past several years where we've been able to gain some traction.
1: You mentioned that you were here for the rollout of the ACA. I'm sure regarding the ACA, our members recall that we did have a great legislative success with ACA policy. What was that?
2: Yeah, we were able to work really closely with the Alliance to Fight the 40 to kill the Cadillac tax, that piece in the ACA that was a 40% excise tax on certain um, health plans, which really would have bankrupted employers, honestly, and may have prevented many of them from being able to be offered coverage. And that was something that John and I worked on for several years, starting just first with these little one and two year delays, and then finally we were able to get it repealed. But one of the biggest tools that we used to kill that was you all, our, our NABIT members. I remember bringing in members from across the country and going into the Department of Treasury and talking to them about how even would they put this in place, showing them examples from you all of your clients of just how they would be impacted by the Cadillac tax and the fact that it really is going to impact a lot more plans than they had in mind when it was devised, and then also taking members to the Hill to meet with committee staff and some of the key legislators there that were who were looking over it. So as frustrating as it was to go through all these little incremental delays, it was worth it because we were finally able to repeal the Cadillac tax.
3: And then, of course, the premium tax that also rode full repeal that year. I remember feeling really great, actually, that we had accomplished so much. I mean, it felt like, boy, this was a great year. Just can't wait to get to next year and, and do it all over again.
2: Also with the rollout of the ACA, there were times where we were invited over to it's the Humphrey Building, the HHS Building. And we're able to take members with us to beta test and look at the way that healthcare.gov was going to be featured and how it was going to interact with agents and brokers. Of course, it was far from perfect when it rolled out. What was it? It was October 1st, 2013, when <laughs> the internet broke because of the release of healthcare.gov and uh, no one was able to, to log in and all of that. Uh, that was an exciting day. I was actually in South Carolina presenting. Someone asked me about the rollout because healthcare.gov was going live that day. And I was like, I have no updates because no one can get on the website. But um, there were so many improvements that came for agents and brokers over the years with working with the exchanges. And again, that was an area where we were really able to use a lot of the NABIT members to go in with us and show examples and let HHS know just exactly how this was impacting them, um, but also how it would impact consumers. Those were also some big wins. Like I said, it wasn't perfect. It still isn't, but it is a lot better than it was in 2013 and 2014.
1: Another legislative success that we had outside of the ACA was related to surprise billing. So do you want to talk a little bit about that?
2: Sure. And I think this is a great example where we're using all of our tools in our tool belt. Um, So we're working with Congress and we're working with the agencies. And many of you may remember when we were going through the No Surprises Act that NABIP was a member of a, a coalition, the Coalition Against Surprise Medical Bills. And our stance on the No Surprises Act was that they should not use arbitration as a way to resolve the surprise billing issue. Instead, they should regulate the out-of-network costs and state that they should only be a certain percentage. And we were uh, suggesting at times a certain percentage over Medicare or other numbers. We didn't get our way in the wording of of the legislation. It did get watered down a bit on, on the congressional side when it came to how the arbitration was set up. But it wasn't until we got the rules for how that law was going to work. When we got the rules from the agencies, we were able to submit comments and really tweak the way that that arbitration process was going to work. Of course, this is now in the court system. So we are covering all three branches of government here, uh, legislative, executive, and judicial. And so we're, we are, while we are following it through the court system, it is very interesting to see the way that this played out. The wins and losses that we had on the congressional side, and then being able to leverage that with the agencies as they were putting their rulemaking together to then see it come to fruition. And for these hundreds of thousands of surprise medical bills going through arbitration now, it's a significant amount more that have gone through in a quarter. It's more than they thought we even gonna go through in an entire year. So, watching this whole process of that go- being put together has been astonishing.
3: Well, and you haven't mentioned this yet in terms of what your new role will be and where you're going, but you'll continue to get to follow this issue, won't you, Marcy? Yes,
2: yes, I am staying in the industry. I'm not straying too far away. I will be going over and working with AHIP, so working with health insurance carriers and insurance companies and working with their employer side. So I will definitely be still be a familiar name in the industry.
1: So absolutely. You mentioned the agencies. Obviously, a significant bulk of your job the last several years has involved monitoring and advocating at the regulatory level, serving as liaison to the various agencies that write the proposed and final rules which impact our members. So outside of surprise billing, what were some of our successes in that level during your time here?
2: Well, again, we had a lot of success with SOSIO and working on the individual market side with the exchanges and what agents and brokers are able to do in the exchanges. Um, I know that at first there was a lot of concern that you all were going to be pushed out of the market. And of course you're not. Just a couple of years ago, we finally got the firm guidance that on commissions for exchange plans that um, the same commission has to be paid for a plan that's sold during OEP as it is for SEPs. That was huge for us. We really felt like it was impacting the market in in a number of different ways. Um, So that was something that we were able to get done through the agencies. And then kind of looking at the group side, the people who are most impacted on the group side for the agent and broker compensation disclosure. Of course, it's also a requirement in the individual market, but most of you aren't making over $1,000 of commission in the individual market, so you don't have to disclose. But that was another piece that actually was tied into the No Surprises Act. Because that broker compensation disclosure was included there, and we tried a number of different ways to get it out, but then when it became final and we worked with the agencies to get the rules, we were also able to get a good faith compliance effort, which was huge, so that it just kind of allowed a little bit more breathing room for you all if you were nervous that you may not be in compliance with some of the disclosure requirements.
1: Okay, enough official government affairs business talk. John, do you have any fun memories working with Marcy?
3: So I remember the day that you came in an interview at Nehu. <laughs> it was Nehu then, so I can say that. And at the end of the interview, I went into Janet's office and I said, you have to hire her today, right now. And she did. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think my phone was ringing very shortly after that, John.
3: Well... I knew you were a person we did not want to lose. And it's been an amazing 11 years. And I was right. Let's go back in the time machine to when my kids were growing up. You know, Marcy has a lot of interest outside of surprise billing and premium assistance and so forth. She loves the arts. And so does my daughter. And as many of you know, she dance ballet for many, many years. Well, you know, Marcy herself was a ballerina in South Carolina growing up. And she actually came and watched Catherine perform. And it was just lovely. And it's a, it's a, it's a memory that I really treasure. And so does Catherine.
2: I do too. And I got to meet your mom.
3: <laughs> you did. <laughs> so many of you have seen Marcy on the road she spends a lot of time doing presentations around the country. And she had a unique way of describing the family glitch by incorporating her beloved dog, Cooper, as a family member by way of explaining how the family glitch worked. And I know people still come up to her today and and say, you know, I understand the family glitch because Cooper.
2: That's true. I, I used slides with, with him and used the example that I was working, but at that time it would have been an AHU and that he was a security guard who wasn't offered coverage and all the puppies <laughs> as, as members of dependents and just trying to find a creative way to explain our issues. And that's probably one of the exciting things that I was able to do here is to, to travel and get to educate so many members. I'm always thrilled that people, when people remember me from, from speaking to their chapters and they usually tell me something that they learned that they didn't know before. And that is just, that's really meaningful to me. And I, I just love hearing that. Another kind of embarrassing thing from being on the road. This is my most embarrassing NABIP thing. I was in Houston at a speaking engagement, and I was in the middle of my presentation. There wasn't a computer in front of me where I could see what slide I was on. So I kept turning around to see the screen behind me to make sure I was on the right slide. And I didn't realize that while I was doing that, I was edging closer and closer to the end of the stage. I fell off the stage in the middle of the presentation. I popped back up because, of course, I was so embarrassed. And I finished the presentation, (laughs) all the while worried that I had like split my dress open in the back or something after falling off the the stage. But I I made it through. And of course, you guys love to have me present right before happy hour. So I limped over to happy hour afterward and asked for a bag of ice for my knee. And it was, I was just so embarrassed, but I ended up being okay. But I did have to have my knee drained.
3: I hope that the dirty martini helped. (laughs) yes
2: the marcy teeny john
3: (laughs) oh i stand corrected i think a fond memory for me is these very podcasts from the very beginning the first ones that we did with you and and chris hartman for 10 years and you know it's it's always the outtakes that are the best but are never included
2: we have to swear dan to secrecy on some of those (laughs) outtakes
3: Needless to say, we spent a lot of time laughing and joking, and you had to do a lot of editing.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Marcy, you have anything else to add that we haven't already discussed?
3: Well, I'm just really
2: excited about what NABIP has for the future. There are a few items that are lined up for successes for this congressional session. I know last week we were talking about the markup in Ways and Means for the Employer Reporting Improvement Act. We're also on track to get those HSA flexibilities for telehealth put in place permanently. So I think there is just endless opportunity for success in this congressional session. And I'm really excited for the NABIP team to see what all is um, ends up getting passed before the end of the congressional session at the end of next year.
3: And the consolation prize for me is that, you know, with Marcy at AHIP, we are going to still be connected and talking and helping each other onto greater things.
2: Absolutely. We'll be in the same coalitions together and a lot of the same meetings together. So this is not goodbye. This is see you later.
1: So it is now time for the NABIP Healthcare Happy Hour toast of the Week. So John. Who are we toasting to this week?
3: Well, a very special person, Marcy Buckner. It's been an amazing journey. And I'm I'm glad it's not goodbye.
0: Thank you for joining us for NABIP's Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. For more information on NABIP's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit nabip.org.